Welcome to Intuitive Eating for Christian Women. I'm your co-host, Erin Todd. I'm a writer and an intuitive eater. And I'm your co-host, Charlie Castle, registered dietitian and exercise physiologist. We're here to help you discover whole health for your mind, body, and soul. That's right. Our goal is to embody scripture, ditch dieting, and live on purpose. Woo! Woo! Yes, girl. Today, our guest on the Intuitive Eating for Christian Women podcast is Brandis Lardner of Grace Filled Plate. In this episode, Brandis shares how all or nothing thinking holds us back from God's best for our lives. Brandis is a certified personal trainer, nutrition coach, Amazon number one best-selling author, and Jesus girl whose mission in life is to help women ditch the diet mentality and find peace, food, and their bodies so they are better equipped to do the great things God has called them to do. Before we jump into our conversation with Brandis today, as a reminder for all of our podcast episodes, this program is for informational and educational purposes only, and it is not a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice. Our aim in this podcast is to introduce you to the principles of intuitive eating and help you to see how those principles align with scripture so you can improve your relationship with food, your body, and God, and cast out dieting for good. Okay, welcome, Brandis. We're so glad to have you here with us. Thank you so much. This is a joy. It is so great to see you gals face to face as I've admired your work for quite some time now. Oh, thank you so much. So kind, so kind. We uh, we want to hear um, all about your God story and your food story. So take us back to the beginning of that, whichever came first for you. Yeah, so that would be my God story. Um, you know, it is interesting how interwoven all of the food stuff can be and um, what comes first, the chicken or the egg, right? But we see that God uses it all. And so I actually... Um, Semi grew up in the church. Um, my mom started homeschooling me. So I went to middle school for two days and it was not good. <laughs> my mom pulled me out of school. And um, from there, we started homeschooling. And it was a long time ago. Uh, and back then, the resources were church related. And we got plugged into a church and I started attending youth group there. And it was it was a great outlet. And I begin began to fall in love with the word of God. Although I didn't see a really transformational relationship with the Lord until I started working through a lot of my food stuff. I mean, so it was, it was still like food was serving that space and place in my life that God was intended for. Uh, I was running to food in situations that required comfort or stress relief or all those different things. And so I believe that that was blocking some of the depth that I could have with the Lord. And, but it was good. It was good. I did um, a, a six month discipleship training school in Australia, which was like a dream come true for me. I was able to you know, serve at church and I loved God, but I didn't have a deep, deep, deep relationship with him until later into my adult life. And so do you just want me to like kind of go right into the woven part? Sure. Go right, go right in. (laughs) And so, you know, I, I went onto my first diet actually not that long after I started attending church. 
but it took a little bit of time for those two paths to cross. Um, I was about 14 years old and to date myself, that was in the season of the supermodel. So that was, <laughs> I could name them all, you know, like, like oh, yeah. teenage boys had pictures of these girls on their walls, but so did I, right? Because that's what I wanted to look like and I wanted to be. And so I had signed up for um, a modeling photo shoot and uh, the photographer told me at 14 years old at a very normal body size that I needed to lose about pounds and yeah. it's crazy you go back and you look at these photos oh my gosh I was adorable you know a little soft but just just so cute um and so that started the fiasco you know I went on a calorie diet and I think Ooh. being at the time when your body is developing I bottomed out some really important hormones at that young age of my from since then, I've really been shortly thereafter on thyroid medication because I believe I wasn't giving my body the nutrition to develop a healthy hormonal system and hormone issues from there. But it was really an up and down relationship um, where I, I guess I had an eating disorder bucket list where I wanted to check everything off. <laughs> so I kind of just went from thing to thing, trying to find a way to manage the, the way that I was like, my life was becoming like, obsessed with food and weight and all of these different things. And so I did, um, I started out kind of a little bit more on the anorexic side of the spectrum, but honestly, I mean, I like food, right. And so it didn't last as lo that long. And it was hard because that, that anorexic side of me felt very noble that I could do things, um, you know, was strong enough to not eat. But then I, I breached over into the bulimia side of things. And that came with a lot of shame and embarrassment. And that further just created this, this pulling back from help, from relationships, from things that could fill up my cup and actually take the place that the food was filling. So it just became a vicious cycle uh, where I kept trying to find satisfaction in food, but then also satisfaction and uh, approval in my body shape and size. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate. It's such an odd thing. It's like the thing that's causing you, you're like, if I could just fix the food, then my body would be okay. But yet I go to the food to take care of like all that dissatisfaction and I, you just feel so stuck and so lost. And, and so I did that, that rigmarole like hamster wheel for, many, many years, maybe a decade. It was a long time uh, until I started to learn a little bit about kind of like habit change and how my attempts to do everything all at once were failing because like I'm human and like nobody's going to do this whole diet thing perfectly. And my perfectionism just came to light. And so without the Lord at the center, I started to make some changes that resulted in some physical outcomes that made me feel really good. And it felt like my problem was like taking care of because my behaviors were much better and my physical body was beginning to get attention. And it felt like that was good and that things were great. And yeah, but as we all know, like if you don't heal the heart of the matter, the the junk is going to bubble up no matter what situation you're in. And so I was binging on things like carrots and salad and apples. And, you know, I was still just as, if not more obsessed with food uh, for a number of reasons, uh, because I was denying myself it. And because I was back to sort of 
under eating, but under the guise of like healthy stuff, right? So I was constantly hungry and constantly thinking about food, but yet I pushed my little shopping cart with like pride, like hoping people would see what was in it because I was so proud of it. Um, and had a lot of, uh, judgment and all of these ugly things in my heart, even though the outside looked like I finally reached the goal. And I, I stayed in this place for a little while and then things start to unravel as they do because you can only hold it together for so long. And, um, and so this is when I started to bring the Lord into my journey a little bit and began to find a little bit more peace and contentment. The more I did habits and changes unto him, the more sustainable they were, the more that they like fed my spirit and the more that the, the wolves fell away. And I started to embrace that I'm not going to be perfect. And oh man, it went into so many different areas of my life. I didn't realize how entrenched all of these areas were as far as cleaning and dishes and all the condemnation that was piled up. And God used this vehicle of food to teach me about his grace. And as I begin to ease up a little bit and find some more joy and peace in my life, and it was just, it, things were going in a good direction. I, um, my husband and I decided that we wanted to finally start a family. And at this point I was still dealing with some of the leftover trauma, physical hormonal trauma from my previous diet experience. And so I wasn't cycling at all. Like pregnancy wasn't going to happen. Uh, and so I went and saw my OBGYN and she's like, oh, honey, you just put on pounds, you'll be fine. And that was not an option. Like I worked so hard to get where I was. Right. So I immediately shut it down and uh, my husband and I began pursuing uh, different opinions from various fertility experts. And it seems like for about 30 grand, I could get pregnant. Right? I thought to myself, this is crazy. Like if I'm not healthy enough to get pregnant, then maybe I'm not healthy enough to have a healthy baby. And the Lord did something crazy in my heart. Like, you know, I've been waiting all this time for him to just change something instantly. And finally he did something a little instantly for me. <laughs> oh, and I was like, okay, let's do this. And I know, unfortunately, not everybody's fertility journey is as easy of a transition, but I did put on about pounds and I got pregnant about two months later and my body was just like yes and this change in weight uh, did a couple of things it let me let go of some of the physical perfectionism that I was holding myself to it forced me to let go of some food rules because in order to put on pounds you gotta eat some tasty food you know uh, like <laughs> and I think my body was no longer physically starving to the point where I was always obsessed with what I was going to eat next and that really brought me to a place where I've been able to find some peace and contentment. And I really, by yielding all of these areas to the Lord, have been able to find that freedom where I can accept that his grace means a couple of things. It means, A, I'm not perfect. I ain't never going to do it perfect. Like until I meet Jesus face to face, like it's never going to look like I hope it's going to look. And that's okay. And then even the fact that anything I'm using air quotes, good or productive or whatever you want to label it that we all want to achieve. Anything that I do is not even going to be from my own strength. 
It's going to be a gift from the Lord that he gives me through the fruit of his spirit. And hallelujah, like letting go of those expectations of myself has allowed me to just be so full of his love and joy so that food holds less of a hold in my life. And I'll be completely transparent. I have not arrived. I still have days where it's a really hard day. Everything is going bad. And all of a sudden I'll be standing at the fridge with the door open, but now I go, oh, all right, here's what's happening. This is my little like oil indicator light that if I'm turning to food, if I can't get dressed in the morning because I'm busy paying attention to my body, if these things are out of line and wonky, then it's a symptom of something that's happening. I need rest. I need time with the Lord. I need to look at my schedule. I need to look at my self-talk. But it's no longer that the food and the body are the target because they're not the actual problem. They're just a symptom of it all. And so that's really the just each time I went a layer deeper with the Lord, he brought a layer of freedom. And it was messy and imperfect and there were crumbs and chocolate and messes and victories, but God really did. Um, God has really done so much for me and I'm so grateful to be able to share that, that message with others. Um, so yeah, that is my story as concise as I can get it. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much there. So much. Oh God. <laughs> I think I, I'm just left with a feeling and I just want to acknowledge like, that's a really, like that gives hope. That is like really grace filled. And I'm just like smiling, listening to you talk about it. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> you know, the solution isn't what we think it is, right? It really exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I love how you said it was like the understanding of the problem versus symptom thing. And it's such a good, such a good illustration of, how wrong our understanding of those things are and what a different perspective on it. That's like your food and your body issues are not the problem. They are symptoms of other problems that you can then um, address uh, Mm -hmm. on a heart issue and with the Lord. And I think there's uh, so much power in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's about getting down to the root of it. And I also loved, this is just like my science nerd, and I feel like science always glorifies God, and I get excited about that. Um, but, you know, when you were underfed, you were you were having this anxiety, you were stressed, it was, and then you said, you know, when you started eating um, to bring yourself more to a healthy set point weight, the anxiety went away, the stress went away, um, which is a chemical reaction, a normal natural response to your brain now had energy to think properly. Yeah, that's huge. (laughs) And we're always heaping it up. Oh, I have no self-control. You're like, no, your body doesn't want to die. Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) God designed your body to seek food when it's underfed has nothing to do with your self-control or your willpower. That's literally your biology driving you to feed your body because it needs it. Yeah. I think the hormonal piece is really interesting too, because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that is a pain point for a lot of women 
and they think they're doing, uh, you know, handling it or addressing it by manipulating their body size or their diet or trying to, when really like that's the, we're in the problem symptom cycle again. It's like, this is telling you something is off with, with your body. And I, I mean, personally, I had the same kind of hormonal, like, damage done massively with teenage dieting. And I think it's really important to say that, especially for mamas that have girls, um, like that's an issue to be aware of. And if you have a lived experience with that, where, you know, your personal hormonal balance was jacked up (laughs) by some dieting, like let's acknowledge that it was jacked up by dieting. (laughs) You, I think it's just a good example of um, ways that dieting harms you physically, that it's, you know, separate and apart from body size or weight. It's like your hormones are, I mean, break it, break it down, Char. Like they're communicating there. <laughs> Give me the definition of a hormone quick. I don't know it. <laughs> I just yeah. know they're important. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like your, your body knows, I mean, it was exactly how you put it, Brandis. like your body knew that it couldn't grow another human being inside of it. It didn't have what it needed. It didn't have the energy. Um, And so it shuts down that production. You stop sending, I mean, hormones are messengers, like chemical messengers and that run your whole body. You know, there's hormones tell your organs and body parts to do all kinds of different things. Um, And when you're underfed, your reproductive hormones really do change. And I really want to say that if you're acknowledging that right now, you know, if you're, and the other thing is like, it can, it can change so many hormones. And this is what we talk about, like diet cycling, often people end up at a heavier weight than maybe they would have been before. Like their set point weight gets elevated because their body is used to that starvation and it doesn't want to go through that again. And so your body, your set point weight becomes a little bit higher. It's your body's way of protecting you. Um, So that's another way that we often find ourselves talking about these hormonal changes that happen from diet cycling. Um, So if you're here and you're recognizing that, yeah, my hormones were jacked up uh, from my diet cycling, or maybe my teenage daughter, I'm seeing some of this in her, she was having a regular period, and now she's not. And um, woo, I'm feeling like a like mama, if you're out there, and you taught your daughter, this diet, and she lost her period, like, it's okay. Like, recognize it, right? Like, oh, we kind of jacked ourselves up with that. And like, God might be showing that to you right now, but God shows you that with grace and love and like the strength to make the changes. He doesn't come at you with shame or condemnation. God comes to you to say like, okay, like now we're aware and let's do better together. It's okay. It's okay. That stuff might've gotten jacked up um, by you doing what you thought was best, right? Like we're all just trying to do what we think is best. Brandis, you were coping with some stuff and that was how you knew how to cope with it. And Aaron and I have been there. Um, you, you use the skills that you learn 
and you did the best that you could. And now you have this opportunity um, to learn more skills and to grow with the Lord and to lean on him um, to develop more. So whoever's out there listening, that's Mm -hmm. feeling shameful right now, let it go. That is not from the Lord. And that's not why we're here. Mm -hmm. We're here to give you hope and encourage you um, and let you know that there is a better way. Yes. So Brandis, I want to go back to something, um, something you said, the way you described, like the Lord was like revealing stuff to you in layers. And so I'm just wondering if you could give us a couple of the, the top layers that might be, um, some, some aha moments maybe for the listeners. Like what were some of your first aha moments that he was like revealing to you? Like, this is, this is what it really is. This is what it's about. Take us there. It's interesting because there are definitely the different layers. So there's sort of the emotional nourishment side of things that, you know, was kind of the thing that I would say the thing I could still work on, right? It's the part where I'm really have got to let the Lord nourish the deepest part of me and not try to control that. But then on another level, the part of me that I, that he really revealed that would knock me off course, came back to two things. It was all or nothing thinking and body image. And when I work with folks, I see that a a tough day, you know, food wise, like a bad, again, air quotes, um, bad food day often come back to the all or nothing thinking and the body image. So if I am setting unrealistic expectations against myself, which I'm hello, that's again, admitting that I am going to fail at stuff is so freeing, so freeing from food and everything else. Like I'm going to be a B plus student and that's okay. Um, uh, that the unrealistic expectations and my inability to meet them or some rule that I've created in my mind that I'm going to pass or fail on is immediately going to cause some unrest in my life. And that is me trying to be my own savior for lack of a better term, right? Some sort of self-reliance that I need to put onto the Lord or there's a body image piece. Again, trying to control things, my appearance, how I'm perceived, my worth, and my value. And now I know if things start to feel a little bit wonky, you know, I can look to either of those two things and I can usually see some kind of tie-in. I bought into a lie. My self-talk has been rehearsing some old script that's affirming this garbage. (laughs) Um, Because it's still, it's like in there, right? It's in my brain. It's going to pop in sometimes, but now I catch it sooner than I used to. Or the deepest root that's beneath that, even beneath that, if I'm willing to get to the actual solution is to find that comfort, encouragement, worth, and value in Christ. Yeah. My, my, my fixer is still so strong in my own life. And in, even when I hear other people, and sometimes it really takes some deep digging in order to get to the heart of the matter, but that's really what I'm learning. And what I'm also learning lately is to the importance of preemptively meeting those needs, right? I used to be reactive and that, Oh no, things are going bad. I better do X, Y, Z. And, and then it keeps you on this cycle of helplessness and exhaustion. Now I know I can take care of it ahead of time rather than like letting my car go without an oil change for so long until I'm like 
off on the side of the street, you know, I could actually take it in for an oil change and it can get fixed, like maintained so that it doesn't break down in the first place. And it's the same thing in my own life. Oh, it's so hard to rest, especially when you love, as you girls know, when you love your work, like you could go, go, go from morning till night. And I have to trust that I can set it aside and let it go. I can, I can protect myself that way. I can protect my workouts. Now it used to be a burden. Now it's a blessing, like to have that time to walk. I can let go of control of trying to make myself valuable by like when people actually used to come to my house, cause nobody comes anymore, but like wanting my house to look perfect. And you know, like I'm a great homemaker and I do everything well. If I can let go of that and find my worth and value in Christ preemptively and deal with that stuff, like, you know, day in and day out, like stay on top of it. Then the other stuff, the all or nothing thinking and the body image issues don't pop up. And that's, that's God had me working on the top layers first, you know, that whole onion analogy. And then I get to the heart of the matter and it really does come down to that. People have been saying this for years, like time in the word, prayer, you know, praising God, being grateful. But I think just maybe I had to learn it the hard way that that's really what it comes back to. Um, So that's, that's exciting. I'm actually creating some work boundaries right now, which has been really, really, really hard. Um, But I can, I can feel it, feel it making a difference already. So yeah, that's, that's kind of part of my most recent and past cycles of learning. (laughs) Yeah, I, it's, Aaron and I have definitely been working on like the work life balance and over the last couple of years, but um, it's funny, like the all or nothing thinking, it comes up, it's so sneaky sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like I I went through a phase where like, you know, my workout and my food and all that stuff took priority over anything else. And then when I realized that was really not good, then I let my work take priority over anything else. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm doing it again, just with a different idol, you know, you know, and now like I'm getting to this place of everything, everything has a purpose and there's what Aaron and I call soul care, right? Your time with the God, God, your prayer time. Um, it, it can be your joyful body movement. There's all these things that are the maintenance, the oil changes, the things that we need to do regularly to keep us going. And when you're not putting your worth and value in your work or whatever it is, when your identity isn't wrapped up in how clean your house is or how perfect your Pinterest post is or whatever those things are, then you can you can say good enough. And now I'm going to take time for these other things. And and those things balance out without it being anxiety causing or stressful. It all comes from that heart change of I'm not a better or worse person if my kids' toys are all over my living room. Or <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's it's knowing who you are in Christ. It's knowing your value and your worth. It's knowing that these worldly things just, you know, they're 
they're down here on the priority list. It's not that it doesn't matter. It's not that it doesn't feel good to have a clean house or to have stuff picked up or to do a good job at work or whatever those things are. They're important things. But when you know your purpose and your identity in the Lord, those things take their proper priority in your life. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Keeping things in their place. Mm-hmm. You got to have that eternal perspective because if you have a worldly perspective, you're cleaning and running on a treadmill until <laughs> yeah. you die. Aaron is so good at reining me in to keep me in my, I will tell, tell Aaron, these are my priorities. This is my line. I got to keep, keep my family first and da, da, da. And then I'll say, oh, I'm going to have some free time. I'm going to work. Da, da. And Aaron will say, well, let's like keep your priorities in the line. So find a friend like that to help you. Well, I'm doing it because it helps me too. Yeah. You know, it's like to just affirm that again and again. Because I mean, I don't know about you guys, but like if I don't hear it constantly, if I don't remind myself constantly, I'm just going to like wander off, <laughs> get lost in the weeds somewhere, get distracted mm-hmm. with something and forget. And um, I think, uh, Brandis, I definitely identified with something you said about uh, being a fixer and um, having like a control issue. And ultimately, when you take that thought to its extreme, it's like, then you're your own savior. You're relying on yourself and, um, being able to recognize and admit that I'm that way. And being like, as soon as I recognize that I'm doing that, (laughs) being able to come back more quickly. I think you said that was something you're noticing. And I totally agree with that. We talk about that all the time. It's like, you do still struggle. We all do but you can recognize it quicker and you can return to the Lord quicker. And like, that is, I think there's something really um, freeing when you realize you're not trying to avoid getting lost and getting distracted. It will happen. It's about accepting grace when you do and not being a perfectionist about it, not being like all or not nothing about it. And something that um, helped me to learn that, Uh, was a meditation practice, kind of just recognizing that as being like, that's a thought, I can acknowledge it and not go chase it. And here I am coming back to center again. And so I'm wondering what, um, what was it for you that helped you kind of cultivate, um, you know, some of this awareness that's letting you come back quicker? And just is it something as simple as being in the word? And just what practices do you do to strengthen that skill of staying um, staying close to him. Yeah, I think it's time and a new normal. Like it's kind of like I used to be used to being miserable all the time, and now I don't have much tolerance for it. <laughs> like when my husband and I first got married, like I could get myself all set, you know, worked up over something stupid, like, and he wouldn't even know what was going on. But like, I could hold on to something for like a week right? Like a week, I would be like, oh, there's that guy, right? Um, but now I can contrast that with joy and contentment and peace in my relationship. And I don't tolerate it for a second. If I have an issue, I'm going to bring it up right away because it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. And I think the same thing goes with the food. I've realized that 
um, there's a C.S. Lewis quote, and I won't get it right, but basically it's saying like, you know, those who toy around with sin are like children playing in like the mud, right? And they won't go to the beach because they don't want to leave the mud, you know, but their mom knows what the beach is. And now I know what the beaches and I don't want to go back to the mud. And so I go to it because it feels like a simple, easy solution. And then you're like, oh, you know, that that's not where I want to go. But it took it took some times of being uncomfortable in the new way where it didn't feel right until I got until it became the new normal. You know, or it's the whole like I think of like well back in the day when fat was bad and we used to drink whole milk. And then you got used to skim milk and then skim milk, you got used to that. And then the regular fat stuff tasted gross or whatever it is, you know, you used to eat this and now you eat that and that was bad and this is good and whatever it may be. Um, you just get your taste so that they are, you know, you're tuned into joy, peace, love, all of these kind of things that you don't want to settle for anything else. And it's distasteful. And that takes time. That takes a little bit of, exposing yourself to a new way of thinking. And also I found my inner marketer in my mind. Like, I don't know about you, but back in the day I would be anywhere. I could be at Disneyland and I would be thinking about getting home and eating my food. Right. And it would be like, I'm going to walk home and like angels are going to sing and the flavor is going to be amazing. Like I made my relationship with food like a fairy tale that was something that I had to have something to be desired, something that was amazing. And honestly, it stinks. It's horrible. I'm sneaking food. It doesn't taste good. It's icky. It's yucky. And like, so I began to stop marketing it to myself, right? Like making it out to be something that's great. And I embrace reality. Like I may still want to do that and I may still do it, but you know what? It's a really cruddy solution. And it's, that's what it's like. And rather than making saying no to the extra food sound like the most horrible thing, painful thing, awful thing. Oh, how am I going to do it? Right. Cause I would make it seem like it was so horrible. I embraced how good it felt to be obedient to the Lord, to go to him and to feel peace. Now, did I always choose one path or the other, you know, no, I wavered back and forth and it began to gather data about honest data, right? Not the diet messaging, not the part of me that's all or nothing, not the part of me that was stressed because I couldn't eat something. So I really wanted to eat it. No, the actual data of like, this is what it's like to turn to food. This is what it's like to turn to God. I have a choice. I may choose to go to the food going to be yucky. Probably not what I like, but it's still a valid choice. Like I could never say no because then I would want it more, or I could choose to go to the Lord and experience, you know, what he has. And sometimes I'd go to the food first for a little bit and then bring the Lord in and I mix the two. And you know what? I think he was okay with that because he saw my heart that I was ultimately longing to get closer to him. And so that's really how I've done it is just cultivated a new standard right? A new standard of what I want my life to look like and how I want to feel on a daily basis uh, and, and a distaste for the old way. But again, just like changing taste, it doesn't happen overnight. If you love the Intuitive Eating for Christian Women podcast and are ready to go deeper in your journey by taking an online course, 
Be sure to check out our various programs and resources over on our website, intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com. Get ready to find the online course that's right for your intuitive eating journey with Jesus. These resources and courses will help you learn more about intuitive eating and grow in faith. Go check it out on our website, intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com. Again, that's intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com. Click on the shop tab at the top and navigate to online courses. Yeah, that's something that I always talk about. Like food still gets to be a tool in your tool belt. Like food is purposefully enjoyable and tasty and comforting. And it's a good gift from God. Like he, Mm -hmm. he knew that your mama's chicken noodle soup when you're sick would really comfort you Mm -hmm. and like something sweet would taste good. And it would be a way that we would celebrate Jesus celebrated with food and feasts. It's all through the Bible. Um, and so I always say like food still gets to be a tool in your tool belt. You just don't want it to be your only tool because that really doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when I, when I would feel stress or anxiety or whatever it was, and I would cope by binging or like eating something when I wasn't hungry. And then the shame and the guilt of that would make me eat more of it. And then I would punish myself by eating more of it. It would become this whole yucky, uncomfortable binge. It was awful. But now, like if I'm stressed and anxious or the biggest thing that gets me is I need to get this work done and it's not coming out. I'm like, and I'll go to the kitchen to like eat a piece of chocolate. And I, I'll say, oh, I know what's happening here. Like this is my anxiety procrastination chocolate and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I'll have one and like, it tastes good. And uh, I can, I can talk, I know what's going on and I can talk to God about it. And I, I don't feel shame and guilt around it. And I, like, it's just what it was. And then I move on with my life. And the bag of chocolates are still in there, like for the next time that I want a piece of chocolate. And I think that's the difference is that it's not this off limit, bad thing that I should feel shame and condemnation about. You can eat a piece of chocolate when you're stressed and it's okay, girl. But when it, when it's not okay, and it it becomes this big thing where you binge and you're uncomfortable and you're punishing yourself through this, that feels absolutely awful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's all or nothing. Yes, exactly. But if you know that it's okay to feel some comfort with food, it's okay to, uh, you know, deal with stress with a piece of chocolate. Like you can have a piece of chocolate and a prayer girl and like, you're good to go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's the nice gray combination of the black and white, all or nothing that we, we talk about being Aaron. I feel like it was on a podcast episode, someone we were talking to, I don't know if it was, or just someone in my life, but I want to bring this up. I loved this when we were talking about black and white thinking and we were saying, maybe it was just someone in life. We were saying that like the, there's all this gray and the person said, I don't like to call it gray. I like to call it the rainbow. Oh yes. I'll figure out who said that. I thought you were going to say what Trudy always says, which is pray in the gray. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like somebody said, and I was like, wow, that's so true and beautiful because when we're not living in this black and white thinking, it's like this beautiful, it's like this beautiful rainbow of 
getting to experience all these different things and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And there's all this stuff that happens when we let go of all or nothing, perfectionism, all of those things. That changed my life, whoever said that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, and I think it, it's like you wouldn't know that there's a rainbow or even that gray feels pretty good. Like you would never know if all you're ever looking at is black or white. And that kind of like, that makes me think of what you were saying, Brandis, about like, I have a distaste for the old way. Mm-hmm. And yet at some point, the old way and being a fixer and controlling and perfecting was like all you knew. And you wouldn't believe what else is available. You think that's the only way. And it's like, I know I've said this before. It's like, I, you couldn't have told me this. Like Mm -hmm. you couldn't have convinced me. And that's, (laughs) we're trying, we're trying so hard to convince (laughs) you guys. But like, sometimes you have to just experience how good the grace-filled way is. It's so different. And you can't even imagine how much better it is until you taste and see how much better it is. And, um, Oh, it's also making me think of, do you guys remember that stupid little line? I used to say that somebody would say this in uh, college, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. Yeah. Remember that is like your, your diet rah, rah, like don't eat that cookie. Nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. And I slap, yeah. <laughs> but that's it's like, that. that's what you believed. And you really thought that was true. And now it's like, kind of like flipping that on its head a little bit from a body image perspective it's like okay well nothing looks as good as jesus feels mm-hmm. and you can't tell somebody that <laughs> like i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna do it till my face is blue but like you i just want to challenge everybody like if you have any amount of doubt or disbelief about how good this is mm-hmm. try it yeah try it out well, there's a rainbow like, <laughs> like i'm gonna be a b student that's where the rainbow is. I remember a a professor in college, this stuck to me so hard. She told me like my perfectionism ran into everything, right? Mm -hmm. Like I was a straight A. If I got anything less than that, Lord have mercy. My husband will tell you our house was miserable. Um, And I just couldn't keep it up anymore. Like, you know, when I reached the peak in like grad school and working like that, I could, I couldn't. And I had a professor tell me, you know, if you're getting straight A's, I'm really worried about you because I know you're not living your life. Mm -hmm. I know you're not doing anything social. I know you're not doing, I know you're not taking care of yourself if you are getting straight A's in grad school. And that really, really, really spoke to me. That's where the rainbow is. When you're taking the time to do the things that nourish you and are are important to you, and it's not this black or white, all or nothing. Like you don't, girl, you don't need to be a straight A Christian, right? Like let's let's mm. be a B student. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So good. good. That's really really powerful. And you got permission from an authority figure to like, oh, what a gift to just dial it back. What a gift. Yeah. Brandis, I want you to share a couple of your just um, weapons you use when you notice all or nothing um, thinking kind of creeping into your mind or just or some encouragement for some 
for a listener who definitely is stuck in that way of thinking, what would you, what would you say to her? Yeah, I think it comes back to that honesty and really just like having a talk with yourself because it's based on presumptions about things that don't actually exist, right? Like I'm going to eat this all now. So I don't eat it tomorrow. Like, these are the kind of things I would say to myself. And it's like, okay, am I probably going to eat it another day? Yes. Um, do I want to have this another time? Yes. Um, and that can help to start to poke some holes in this reality because it feels real when you're stuck in it. You believe it. You believe that if you eat all the stuff now, it'll be out of the house and you'll do better tomorrow. Never but as I say, the self-control fairy doesn't show up overnight, right? Tomorrow we're still the same person and still the same situation. And I often think of like, I used to be consistent in my workouts because I knew that if I missed it one day, that it would be harder to get the next day. And that's how I kept my self-consistent. But then also in a really helpful way with the all or nothing thinking, if I don't give into it today, tomorrow, it will be even easier not to do it. So I'm kind of like, you know, and, and it's not, this is also not an all or nothing thing, but I'm always kind of affirming one way of thinking or not. And so I can take back a little territory from that today. And by making that choice, that is a little bit more in the rainbow, in the gray that is not so, um, yeah, so set in its ways. And the other thing that helps is to say, what's the worst that's going to happen, right? Like, what is the worst that's going to happen? Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to gain, what is this? Oh, I'm going to gain pounds. You're like, really? You're going to eat enough, so much of that, whatever it is, until you're sickly full. And then tomorrow, guess what? you're going to wake up and you're going to get hungry again. Like what is the worst that's going to happen? Um, there's no need to hang on to the all or nothing thinking. It also helped me a lot to realize why I got stuck in that way of way of thinking, because for me, there was fear and lack of trust in myself. I thought that the rule was what made me a hard worker, someone who was excellent, someone who wanted to do better. Like I thought that if I just had enough rules, then I wouldn't stray away from it. But then I realized like God actually wired me with the spirit of excellence and hard work and the desire to do well and a desire to serve others and a desire to live in a clean house or, you know, all these kind of things that I thought the external rules were helping me accomplish. They actually were making them impossible to maintain because of the perfectionism. But when I step back and go, you know what? I really want to eat mostly, you know, nourishing food, but I also want to have some other things in context where it's celebration and it's enjoyable. It wasn't the rules that were helping me. It was the rules that were making me go crazy. Yes. Um, then I had a better time letting go of it because the fear dissipated. Uh, and I wrestled for a very long time with certain foods and it was really hard because I think it's an act of God to actually remove that all or nothing thinking about certain foods. Mm -hmm. But when I, I, you know, that addicted, you know, I'm addicted da, 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 all these things that I said in my mind, when God finally showed me, it was not the food. It was the way I was thinking about the food. Then I was able to have them in a moderate way where they didn't hold on to things. Um, but that was truly a gift from him for me to be able to kind of move into that place and um, 
Yeah, so that's not a direct answer to your question, but that's kind of the way I attack the all or nothing thinking um, overall, just in my life and even when it pops back up. Yeah, so good. good stuff. Yeah, I think of, um, you know, we've been talking about the the eating disorder, the, the body image, the bad body image day, the diet, whatever it is, like they're symptoms of this deeper problem. What's the heart issue? And um, just going, you know, thinking like the all or nothing thinking and like something that is so helpful, I think it can be hard. And I still do this with, for myself with things. Like if I feel myself getting anxious about something, or I feel like I have to have it, or I have to do it or like, I'll sit down and write out like, what is it? Like, what's the thing that I think I must have to, to be happy or successful or whatever. What is the thing? And then I break it down. Like, why do I think I want this thing? Do I want this thing because I genuinely want it because it's in line with my values and my beliefs and like God's calling me to it? Or do I want this thing because I'm being influenced by someone else's desires or because I just watched another dietitian do this? Or like, do I really want that? Or do I think that I want that because of the world or the culture or, and they're like, these are hard things to, to do with yourself, but um, something I always recommend to people is to make a list of like your true values, morals, the things that truly matter to you. Like if no one else is ever going to look at this, no one else is ever going to know like the true desires of your heart and the things you truly care about write those things down on a paper. And when you find yourself striving after something or feeling anxiety about getting something or not getting something, like go back to that paper. Does this thing really matter to you? Do you really care about this? Does this align with your goals and your values and your morals? Or is there some outside influence here that that is pushing you towards that? Because I often find that when you're feeling the anxiety or the stress or whatever, it's because this thing isn't really in line with who you are. This thing isn't really in line with what you really are, are wanting or, or, or going for. Does that make sense? Total sense. And praise God for that check in our spirits that does not want to settle for things that don't align with us. And I think it opens up our eyes. It's like, you know, I, I think I said one of my posts and people comment on it, like, you know, if you keep not following your diet, maybe it's because it doesn't matter to you that much. If you're not reaching your weight loss goals and you're like, why am I not reaching my weight loss goals? Maybe you actually don't care about weight loss that much. Maybe you care more about family and faith and all these kind of things, but yet the world's been feeding us these ideas and we're taking it hook, line and sinker. But yeah, part of us is really bucking against it. The Holy Spirit within us is saying, no, this is not what's important. And so use that, use that as a cue to say, God, let's align this stuff up with what really matters to you and what really matters to me. And then when things like feeling strong and healthy come from a desire to get out and change the world, like it's way different motivation than, you know, trying to look great in your genes or something like that. I mean, no one ever stands up at a funeral and says, oh, Sally, she looks so hot in her skinny jeans. Like, no, they say 
she made a difference in my life. She made me feel like someone important. And I think that is a great, great motivator right there. Oh, yeah. I always love to bring that up. Like no one's going to talk about your body size or your perfect diet at your funeral. Like (laughs) no one's going to talk about how clean your house was. Like they're going to talk about that. Your door was always open to them. (laughs) You know, they're going to, they're going to talk about um, how loving you were and all these things. No one really cares about your gene size when it really comes down to it. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we got stuff to do. Come on, you know, that's right. other stuff to do. Oh, that's so true. Yeah, I think that really helps bring it back to um, to purpose and like what lights us up and what we're supposed to be doing here. And I love that. That's always such a good motivator to to feel connected and tuned in with the Lord and, and feeling, um, I think you said it earlier, Brand is like just the, how good obedience felt. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. And that <laughs> seems surprising, but it really and does. Something that's so helpful too, is like, talk to your partner about this. Talk to your husband, talk to your wife, talk to your best friend, talk to your mom, like talk to someone about you know, I actually, I really care about these things. These things are important to me. And like, you know, if like, I really like, you know, I really like the way that body style looks in these clothes and like, that's appealing to me, but I actually would rather, you know, serve at church or I would rather have kids and spend time with them than like have that body style and, and wear those clothes. And so you know, it is kind of a desire of mine to look a little bit differently or, or change my body a little bit, but, but really, you know, I care about these things more. And so husband, like, this is what my body, this is what my body is, you know, and this is, and like, I I'm here and this is, this is what I'm doing. I, I guess I share that because, you know, like I've talked about my husband and I did our our fitness things together, right? And we had those conversations in the beginning of like, if you didn't work out, I don't know what I would do. And then when when our bodies changed and things changed, like I had to sit down and have those conversations. Like, hey, I used to think that these were my priorities and my values, but actually those things are really shifting. And now these are my priorities and my values. And I I want you to know that I'm not willing to compromise these things anymore. And so my body might change. Um, I don't know why I thought that was important to talk about, but I did. No, it's powerful. I think we should all talk about our priorities and our values and check in with them and like, make sure, (laughs) make sure we're living our priorities. Yeah. Like it's so important to check in with that and to acknowledge what they even are and to write them down and to speak them out loud to somebody for Mm -hmm. accountability. And, um, cause otherwise like. You're not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Look, well, get distracted about, like I do. <laughs> you think about the things that you love. I mean, the things that you're involved in. You don't even think about food or your size. Yeah. Maybe you love to dance and you get out there and you're just like doing your thing or you like to sew and you go off into your own space and place where these food and like all this kind of stuff, it just doesn't even exist. And that is the antidote to a lot of this. The more we can fill our lives with things that 
are not food centered, obviously, right? But sometimes we forget that. It's like, oh yeah, my whole life centers around food stuff. Well, of course, you know, but we fill it up with other things that excite us. You know, that thing that someone asks you at a party and you talk your ear off about it. You know, maybe it's a mission trip you went on. Maybe it's jewelry making, you know, writing a book. The thing that lights you on fire and fills you up that is, I believe, part of God's calling in your life and part of the solution to your food struggles because you have the enemy is using your energy and tying it up in food and body image so that you don't go and do that awesome thing. Right? And it doesn't have to be something really vastly spiritual because God will use whatever it is that he has given you to reach people that only you can reach. And when we start to recognize that, it's really, really exciting. And 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 it's really a double whammy also. We can put our, take our energy away from something that's pulling us away from the Lord and things that fill us up and put it into something. So, yeah. yeah. I will never forget when I could just be working on something and hours would go by and then I'd be like, ooh, I'm kind of starting to feel hungry. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I didn't think about food for hours. And like, now I'm kind of hungry and like food sounds good. And like, I'm going to go enjoy this, this meal and it's, it's going to be good. Like I'm going to enjoy it. And, and then I just like move on and go back to work. <laughs> you know, like food is still a good thing. It's still something to enjoy, but it, it, it takes its proper place. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much, Brandis. I just loved your wisdom you shared with us today. And I think some of that all or nothing mentality uh, discussion is just so, so important. And um, I know it's going to impact a lot of ladies listening to this. So thank you for, for sharing your experience and, and your wisdom that you've, uh, that the Lord shared with you that you are then sharing. And isn't that a beautiful purpose to like, (laughs) I feel so good. Mm -hmm. Um, We want you to share where everybody can, can connect with you online, but um, we've got a couple of fun little questions to wrap up before we do that. So okay, let's see what comes out of my mouth. (laughs) Uh, Our question we must ask everyone because it just is so good is coffee or tea and how do you take it? Um, Coffee with foamed almond milk. We have a coffee foamer at the house. I don't know what it does to the almond milk, but man, it's changes it. It's so good. Um, Good. Okay, yard work or housework? Oh, goodness. Or neither. Your face. Your face. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst question. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, so I don't like yard work, and I started a blog so that I could afford to hire a house cleaner. So nice. I love yeah. it. <laughs> There you go. Jesus priceless. <laughs> You're like, this is the worst question ever. I love yard work. Oh, good. I love yard work and I pay a house cleaner. Yes. That's it's just so important because yeah. it just frees up. Yeah. Mental energy yeah. there. Yep. That was something my husband and I were like, let's figure this out to budget this because that is going to be good for our marriage. And mm-hmm. the best thing we ever did. Um, your favorite kitchen gadget. Um, Vitamix. Oh yeah. Yeah. That thing is amazing. We've saved so much money on smoothies and we just make so many good things at home. I make a really great green smoothie in the morning that I throw all my veggies in and you would never know it. It's like a McDonald's shamrock shake. Cause I add a drop of mint essential oil along with some vanilla protein powder and it Ooh. is incredible. Yeah. The Vitamix 
gives you textures you just can't get with like it really makes the mouth feel of like any kind of smoothie or shake or anything um so good I love yeah that. it's like a tax <laughs> refund kind of thing you go I'm gonna get a tax refund and I'm gonna buy a Vitamix so yeah. when you google it don't be mad at me yeah, yeah it's a big investment it's <laughs> But it's awesome because you can do soups, like you can do hot stuff, like you can do so much in a Vitamix. Mm -hmm. I don't have one. I love them. I don't have one. The refurb is actually, reasonable is not the word to use, but it's a a good price, better price. Yeah. Um, You're at a summer barbecue. What game would you want to play? Oh, man, you guys are taking me out of my comfort zone. I'm just not a game person I would probably be off talking to someone about them you know or I could find someone to talk about like business and I would be really excited (laughs) um I'd be doing whatever my daughter is doing I'm sure yeah um you have an entire day to yourself no obligations no deadlines what do you do your face on this one too I'm like, I know I'm not supposed to say work, but like, okay. I would say work. Yeah. That's what fires you up. Oh, I love it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's such a gift. I love that. Okay. Mm-hmm. This, I, I debated whether I could ask this and I'm going to ask it. Okay. You know, that spot in your house that like catches everything, the catch all spot in your house. Mm-hmm. What's piled there? Um, it's in a drawer. I've learned to conceal things behind doors and drawers. Um, and so it's just my desk drawer. Basically you pull out one cord and it's like 47 and there's no hope, (laughs) but yeah, that's one thing. If I can put it behind something, it's, it's good. It's like, it doesn't exist. Yes. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Oh my goodness. Okay. So Brandis, can you give everybody the information they need to connect with you online and tell us about um, your awesome, awesome website and what they can get there and all the things? Yeah. So my website is gracefilledplate.com. And um, probably my most popular thing that people sign up for is right in the header of my website. It's a seven lesson faith is greater than food email course. And I get tons of replies every day, just people really enjoying the lessons. And it's going to give you just kind of an overview of how we do things for a graceful plate. Awesome. I love it. It's a great, 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 great website. And um, <laughs> so many good resources on there. And everybody will just love checking it out. And there's just tons of stuff. So don't, don't just look at the top part. <laughs> Go deep in there. There's good. There's tons of good stuff in there. Oh. And um, yeah. Well, thank you again for, for sharing your wisdom with us. Would you, would you close us in prayer, Brandis? Yes. Oh, heavenly father. Gosh, I just love you that how you work, God, that we can be across the miles and even across time as ladies listen to this, you know, days, weeks, years later than when we recorded it. And yeah, we can pray in one accord coming before you just saying, Lord, we need your mercy and help in a time of need, God. And as these ladies are looking to break the chains of food and body image stuff, I ask that you give them that extra dose of grace that can help them see where their worth and value live in you. And that how you are the great comforter, how you are the one who sustains and you are the one who delivers 
un, like unexplainable, immeasurable worth and value into our lives. I ask that you fill us with a peace that surpasses understanding in these crazy times and that you uh, fill us with a vision of what you have for us, that each woman listening as we just spoke about uh, those values and the gifts and talents and the passions that we have, that you'll just start sparking something in their hearts and in their minds that can, can become a, a, a God-glorifying outlet that you will ultimately use to move them away from food and towards serving you in some way, God, that will glorify your name and, and make your name great, Father. So we praise you, God, for your goodness, for your mercy, uh, for your never-stopping love and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As you learn more about intuitive eating, please consider telling someone else about this podcast so they too can discover how Christ's love and grace are transformational in our relationships with food and body. Thanks for listening today, and we'll see you in the next episode of Intuitive Eating for Christian Women.